It's the Healthy Woman Show on WJR with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. Welcome to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, a great show coming up. We are going to have so much fun, Ann, with the four Fs. We're going to talk about female fertility, how to be high fashion this spring, uh, making sure our flowers don't die, and how to stay fit starting today. We'll get started right after this. to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. I'm Ann Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, this is going to be a very fun show because we are talking about the four F's. (laughs) Yep. Talking about fertility, fashion, flowers, and fitness. We couldn't time that any better, right? (laughs) I know. It's awesome. And first up, of course, is fertility. So let's talk a little bit about fertility and about, we're going to specifically on this show, focus on the woman. Next month, we'll talk a little bit about the man, but today we're going to talk about the woman. So define fertility slash infertility, and then we'll go from there. Sounds good. So as we talked about last uh, show for Infertility Awareness Week, the definition of infertility is a year of trying if you're under 35, six months if you're over 35, and yesterday if you're over 40. So if you are planning on having a family and you notice that you're in that age group and pregnancy hasn't happened yet, then it is time to talk to your OBGYN, primary care, uh, to get a a, uh, fertility workup. So once the woman decides, hey, you know, I better have this checked out, what happens from there when she first comes to visit you? So what will happen, whether she sees me or OBGYN or primary care, is they'll get a history first to kind of see if there's something in their medical condition or in their menstrual history that is a clue as to why pregnancy is not happening. So Normally, you'll get a record of you know, when they started their periods. Are they having a, a menstrual cycle every month? Are they irregular? Uh, do they have um, you know, preg- periods twice a year? Uh, are they checking for ovulation? Uh, that's where you can use prediction kits over the counter or uh, basal body temperature charts. Uh, medical history. Is there something in their medical history that could be affecting their ability to uh, ovulate. So would they have a problem with thyroid, a problem with the prolactin? Do they have problems with diabetes that's uncontrolled? Would that be something that could be causing a woman not to ovulate? Their weight, are they significantly overweight or significantly underweight? Both of those types of conditions cannot allow regular ovulation to occur. Are they experiencing things like hot flashes, vaginal dryness. Uh, Is that something that they are um, having that's progressively more significant that is making us concerned that they may have decreased ovarian reserve or again, just not ovulating. So we wanna get a very adequate, uh, extensive medical history uh, to, to then go from there to do a workup. So once you have all that, 
then what is the next step? So once I had that history, the next step is to get some hormones on her. And we usually get the blood work on cycle day two, three, or four. Fasting is nothing to eat after midnight. And I would check all the hormones that could affect the quality of ovulation. So if there's a problem with their thyroid, prolactin, sugar, insulin, obviously we would treat it appropriately. But some very specific hormones will give them an idea of what their fertility potential is. Specifically, an FSH level, follicle-stimulating hormone, is a hormone that'll let us know how, if the ovaries are working, how young the ovaries are. So ideally you would like an FSH less than 10, an FSH greater than 10 would say that those ovaries are starting to get tired. An additional hormone is AMH or anti-malarian hormone. This is a hormone that's produced in the ovary, giving an idea of how many eggs we have left to work with. So again, we want a number greater than one, a number less than one, says that there's less eggs to work with. The number greater than one says that there is enough eggs out there. We do a baseline ultrasound as well to make sure the uterus looks good, the ovaries looks good, look good, but also check for what's called an antrophollicle count. This is how many little cysts are on the ovaries that hopefully could give us an egg. So the combination of the patient's age, hormones, and ultrasound will give us a woman's fertility potential and help us to guide her as to what treatment options she should seek, depending on the number of children she wants and, and how aggressively she likes to pursue, pursue fertility. And there are a variety of treatment options out there, right? I mean, it's pretty incredible what's available to help these women. You know, absolutely, Anna. And the thing to remember is that fertility is very common when people are struggling to have uh, a pregnancy. So uh, about 8% of couples uh, is, are, one out of eight or 15% of couples are struggling to get pregnant, right? Less than 10% seek treatment. So it's important that we talk about this so that people are aware that they're not alone. Everyone knows somebody who has a fertility issue. If you had high blood pressure, diabetes, you'd be at your doctor yesterday. So why not for fertility? Over 90% of the time, we can find a reason as well as a treatment option. So for women, if we find that there is a problem with their thyroid or sugar or whatever, obviously we treat it. If there's an issue with regular ovulation, then we have so many treatment choices, which can include fertility pills like Clomid. Uh, we use a breast cancer drug for fertility and, and to induce ovulation called Letrozole, also called Femera. There's fertility shots if they're not ovulating all the way through IVF. So we take our hormone information, the desire for the number of children, and then you know usually we start with the least aggressive approach unless... The, the more aggressive options are warranted. What do you say to women out there, Carol, who might be fearful or just not sure if they should go down this road? How do you help them make this decision? I think that knowledge is power. And I believe that if you are struggling with fertility, not to be afraid, that we're here to help. And the first thing that will help empower you about your decisions you need to make for your family is knowledge. And therefore, when women are worried, they should get the data to figure out that it may not be as scary as they think and that the numbers may not reflect that they can't have a family 
their numbers or their situation can reflect that there's lots of choices out there. And when I say over 90% of the time, we can find the reason and find a fertility treatment option, I would hope that that would be comforting to somebody and, and willing to, to be evaluated. And again, you know, at Michigan Center, your family the minute you walk in the door, right? So we got you. And it's scary. There's a lot of emotion. Um, and everyone's unique. So my job is to give you the information and not dictate what you need to do, not put you in a cookie cutter to say you're a, you're a you need to do B, is to listen to you and to say, okay, here's what it shows. Well, how many children? Here are your choices. What would you like to do? What is your comfort level? And I think that when women know that they're part of that team, I think they feel better. The other thing is women are all over it. I'm telling you, men, they're having a problem with pregnancy. They're on Dr. Google. They're on Zoom. They're on Face pages. They're on, they're on their support groups. I, I'm just so proud of the women I, I see and take care of because they are active in their journey. And I'm just really proud to be able to work with them to get the family that they want. And, you know, I've been with you at the Michigan Center many, many times doing shows. And one of the things I've always been really impressed with is how you are treated like family. And you're there to take care of each and every person in, you know, kind of an individualized way. And I think that's really impressive. And I also think another reason to just go get things like this checked out is as a woman for your overall health. You know, you mm -hmm. want to be as healthy as you can be, right? Exactly. And that's where we also focus on the woman and we have an Harmony a Wellness Center. So, you know, my belief has always been, you know, complementary medicine isn't all that by itself. Traditional isn't either. But when you combine it and address any weight issues, any stress, um, things that that we can help you with, with nutritious and exercise and, and stress management counseling, uh, stress reduction through acupuncture, massage that we have at the center, that I think that combination will help with your fertility, but your general health as well. Okay, let's take a quick break. Coming up next, we're going to switch over and we're going to talk a little bit about fashion. We'll be back right after these messages. listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. I'm Ann Thomas. I am here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, we now turn to fashion. And joining us today is Anita Dumo. She is the Trade Area Sales Manager, and she's also a board member with the Detroit Fashion Community. She's with Maximilian at Ceresny and Often Furs. And Anita, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies, both for having me. Um, I'm so excited. Listen, I am, I like to say, after a 35-year career in fashion, I'm also a fashion enthusiast, too. So <laughs> I get so excited to talk about, uh, you know, and I think, too, when we talk about women's health, you know, what we put on really does lift our mood and has a lot to do with how we feel. Um, and I think that I love that. I love that portion of it. I'm very interested to hear what are the spring trends? You know, I am uh, so excited that, that you asked that question because number one, there are so many things, but I think my favorite um, for uh, 
I'm a big third piece girl, meaning I love whether it's going to be a slacks and a blouse. I love to put that third piece on. And I think that that's something that can really reflect your personality as well. So I think the blazer is going to be a huge trend moving forward. Um, you know, that kind of a suit look is coming back, but you can also take your blazer and pair it with jeans um, for an evening out or an afternoon out. And it kind of elevates the look a little bit. So we're looking like a little bit with another strong shoulder is coming back again. Oh. Um, you're going to put it in spring colors, like a beautiful lavender is going to be great. Um, I will tell you that Valentino did this fabulous spring collection this year in this absolutely yummy hot pink. And you are going to see that trickle down from your high-end retail all the way through to, um, you know, to your everyday stores, um, uh, Kohl's, Target, Walmart, Macy's, uh, you know, so that's something that you're going to see all the way through. And it's important to do that pop of color. Another thing I wanted to say, too, is the blazer is something that, um, again, you can really transform. Another thing, though, that's very important when you talk about that third piece in a blazer is the kimono is still going strong. Um, and this goes from, again, high-end retail all the way down through your resale shops. This is my most one of the things I love to talk about for spring, too, because, you know, that music festival vibe is all happening. You know how across the country everybody's into the music festivals now. And the kimono goes right along with that vibe, um, you know, along with that um, chunkier knit uh, that we used to see as well. Um, but I think the kimono, I have to say, um, when we talk about fashion, I also like to talk about sustainability because that's going to be a huge trend in fashion moving forward in all aspects of fashion. You know, how can, you know, after being in the fashion industry for 35 years, how can we, um, you know, change our footprint a little bit moving forward? So a girl needs a good kimono for her wardrobe in the spring, for sure. So I would say that, you know, I went to one of my favorite um, Detroit-based um, shops is Leah's Closet, if you like to do vintage she has a lot of kimonos that fly off the shelves there. And you can find kimonos at a very high end as well. Saks and Neiman's are going to carry those. Um, you're going to find it in designers. Um, you can also go down to a good resale shop. Um, you know, another thing that I like to say is always a trend is after, again, 35 years of being in fashion and being an enthusiast, I am always absolutely astounded by the amount of creatives that we have in Detroit um, and what you can really pull into your wardrobe for spring in Detroit. So we're going to talk about those blazers and that third piece, but also um, beautiful spring colors like YSL has this beautiful puffer bag. So there's a lot of texture um, and architecture in the spring trends. So like to put that in your handbag, um, you know, again, like I said, I love the puffer bag. YSL has a beautiful puffer bag. Um, bringing into Detroit designers too, William Palmer Home did this beautiful, he calls her the Amour bag. And it is so fabulous. It is actually a triangular bag. So if you look at the architecture, it's a triangle. And it has a beautiful handle. And he's had this in all shades. And when I tell you this has taken off to an extreme that, that, that Q has never thought I'm so happy for him. Um, so I would say that you should definitely get, 
on an Instagram and try to take a peek around at some of our Detroit-based designers. Another Detroit-based designer I want to bring into when we talk about Springs Trends, too, is Ashley Harris Designs, because you know, obviously we're getting into wedding season. There's a lot of weddings and, you know, hopefully more outings now that we're coming out of this pandemic. Um, Ashley Harris makes the most beautiful um, gowns and uh, she's very creative. Um, she makes all kinds of dresses, um, gowns. And, you know, I think the most too for all ladies, you know, fashion should make us feel good. You know, we have to use our fashion to reflect our personalities and not be afraid to get into color and things like that as well. I've had clients over the years. I have a lady who she only wears red shoes and God bless her. She, I'm like, put those red shoes, a pair of red shoes makes her feel good. So, you know, whatever makes you feel good, I think that you should put on. But that third piece is important. Blazers and kimonos. I encourage everybody. Absolutely. So, Carol, go ahead. I know that one of the things that both of us are interested in finding out is where we can get some of these pieces. I know there's a lot of great vintage shops. That yeah, are- exactly. And um, and the thing is, with, with these uh, these clothes, I, I mean, I've been ac- accused of being uh, wearing all black all the time. I had a girlfriend who uh, she always had the 6 a.m., classes. This is a shout out to you, Caroline. And so she didn't want to wake up any of her roommates. So she had everything was black on black. So she didn't have to turn the lights on. Uh, so, you know, with pop of color, vintage, you know, we kind of yeah. would, would like to know where to go. So, Anne, do you sure. have any any yeah. ideas of where the vintage shops are? No, I'm yeah. interested in hearing that. I have no idea, Anita. I don't even know if I've really ever shopped in one. And well, my goodness, uh, you we are going to have to get you there. I mean, I, I just love it. And Carol, back to you, you know, I wear a lot of black too. you know, going to work every day. You know, I think that our, our jobs now might entail more physical things, especially in retail. And you just, you know, it's a little bit more comfortable to wear black. You feel good. But I think, Carol, to your point, that pop of color is so important um, to make you feel good about yourself, too. And I think that you can find those. Now, resale shops and vintage is huge when we talk about sustainable fashion and what we can do. Um, I will tell you a couple of my favorites. Rotate Boutique in um, Bloomfield Hills um, is wonderful. India runs that and she has a very nice curated, this is something that you're gonna do. um, You know, she sells a lot of high-end designer pieces secondhand, you know, which is good. Um, The Closet NV in Bloomfield Hills is also another wonderful resale shop. She runs the gamut of everything from high-end retail to just really nice curated pieces. Now. When we talk about true, true vintage, though, um, in Royal Oak, Leah's Vintage Closet is there. And um, I know you ladies can't see me today, but I love to get like a pop of color from her. Um, I have got some beautiful necklaces that I purchased from hers that were really from the 50s then. Um, we're, we're really very cool, you know, something that you can use your accessories, you know, and again, fashion too. your, your accessories can really talk about your personality as well. So I encourage ladies to get out there and get those big dangly earrings. But with Leah, she curates her collection. She goes out and purchases things that she loves to bring into her vintage house. You know, we had, um, she just did, she, now 
this is how much the vintage really is showing. She expanded her brick and mortar in Royal Oak. I mean, for a vintage resale to actually expand brick and mortar, it just goes to show you where fashion is going. And you know what? It's the young girls. The young girls love that vintage. Um, she had beautiful Chanel suits there from, you know, from, you know, probably 10, 15 years old in excellent condition. The amount of kimonos that she had there was fabulous. And we were there for an hour and I think they were all gone at the end of the day. That sounds, that sounds wonderful, Anita. Yeah. And, and you've given us so much information uh, during this segment, really appreciate it. And again, we have to remember, Anne, that, you know, uh, with being part of Maximilian and Serezny off and first, yes. that, you know, when you need to have that first store, this is yes. definitely uh, the, the place to do it. And I know that we're running out of time for this segment. So, uh, Anne, did you have any other things to ask, Anita? Just real quick, Anita, you want us to have the furs stored now. Now would be yes. the best time to bring them in and have them yes. stored and cleaned and ready to go for the next season. You are so right. And thank you so much. I want to get this in because when we talk about sustainability, fur is something that is sustainable. You know, Mother's Day just passed and I've had um, we're having, I want everybody to know too, on May 19th, we're having a fur restyling event and it's so good to upcycle your fur and change the style in something that you can wear. I have people who have brought things in from their mothers and their grandmothers, their stoles, and we make it into little things that they can wear going forward. But the most important thing in being able to do all this is to care for your furs and storage and reconditioning is so important. We always, we have fur cold storage vaults. So not only is it dark, it's cold and it's humidity controlled. So you're gonna preserve your fur for as long as possible. Um, and it's gonna give you an opportunity to make it potentially into something else. Listen, nobody's wearing those long mink coats that much anymore. Bring it in, we can make it a jacket, we can make it reversible, we can trim a denim jacket. We've been making these beautiful throws. There's so many things that you can do with fur as a sustainable fashion. Um, and the better you care for it, the longer it's going to last. Anita Domo, thank you so much for all of this wonderful fashion advice today. We really appreciate it. Ladies, thank you so much. It was lovely to chat with you today. We'll be right back after these messages. Listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show. I'm Ann Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Carol Kowalczyk. And Dr. Carol, we now say hello to one of my favorite gardeners of all times. He's been extremely helpful to me personally. He was on WJR for 24 years, Dean Kroskoff. And Dean is the gardening expert, the gardening doctor. And I have a feeling that perhaps you need a little bit of gardening advice from the gardening doctor. So from one doctor to another. <laughs> oh my gosh, Dean, I am just so grateful to talk to you because everything that has to do with gardening, I kill. So I don't know, you know, I am the most unluckiest person when I, you know, try to do anything. And my husband is, you know, this great, what he thinks, you know, gardener. Uh, so I have a, a question. We were at Eastern Market just this past Saturday. My husband went about three weeks prior to get vegetable plants and was and some flower plants. And I warned him it was 30 degrees at night. He's like, they'll be fine. Well, they died. And then we were back on Saturday to get more. 
and he planted them on on that Saturday. So did we do the right thing or are we not out of the woods with this weather? And, you know, I, I, I want to make sure my arugula and my spinach, my strawberries, my garlic all hand and my flowers all survived. So did I do the right thing or should I have waited? You were a bit early, but I think you can be saved. Um, the weather looks like it's broken, uh, you know, because of, and you look at long-term trends, uh, barring a couple of weird years, this is normal for us. Contrary to what everybody thinks, it's not been unusual. And in, in many cases, it's actually been beneficial. The point being, if you have plants in the ground now, we can still get a frost. I've seen frosts in the middle of um, uh, June. So if your plants are in the ground and it's going to get down into the low 30s, cover. Just put a, a and the cover, best cover is an old sheet. That works great. Uh, and newspaper, if you don't have anything like that, don't use clear plastic because clear plastic will actually allow the radiation of heat energy to the sky and you'll get frost underneath it. So it's got to be something covered. Black plastic works great. Just cover them, warms up the next morning, they'll be fine. And what do you do when, how, how do I make my garden grow? And another problem is we have critters, uh, rabbits, who like to eat our beautiful vegetable gardens. So I bought my husband the other, a uh, couple a year ago, this, this like stand up kind of trough thing that he could put his plants in in right. an effort to avoid the critters from eating the vegetables before we do. So can we still grow them in the ground? And if so, because I still got, you know, my, my like I said, my garlic and my uh, herb chives, I hope they taste good, uh, in the ground, or am I better off just getting another trough and does that get the critters to not, you know, ruin my salad? Well, you know, the, the trough or raised bed, it's like I like to talk about it, it's wonderful. It takes a little bit more care, in fact, quite a bit more care. So it's one of those things that you just can't leave and go away and forget. So that's an advantage of planting in the ground. The things like garlic and chives, I don't know any bunny that is that into those. I plant them every year. I have no issues. Let us another story, totally. So my thought is that there are various ways to do it. I plant my lettuce and things like that that I'm going to harvest routinely. I plant those in the raised beds. That just makes it easy. And then allow the, uh, there are other ways to do it. There are sprays, repellents that do work on rabbits and things like that. And especially, I'm not going to recommend a brand because each case is different. You buy one, you try it. If it doesn't work, you rotate into another one. And again, it's one of those things where you've got to spray it after every rain or if you're overhead irrigation. The thing about raised beds is that they require more watering more frequently because they don't hold water. They're designed not to do that. So, you know, you've got to spend more time with them, but it's handy. You know, if it's on your back patio or something, you just go out and harvest a, a salad. It's wonderful. I've got, my wife's got some, uh, a salad mix right now in plugs that we're going to be putting out very soon because she couldn't wait. So, you know, we do it inside sometimes. Sometimes it works this year, not so well, but hey, that's the fun of gardening. Sometimes, you know, the, my husband will put aluminum foil around the gate as a deterrent. Have you ever heard that? Uh, no, I've heard of aluminum okay. foil on people's heads, but I don't think that works either. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. Uh, so, no. you know, 
So, I don't so, know. I, I I don't understand the reasoning behind that. Uh, something about the shine and reflection or whatever. But they hit rabbits are nocturnal. They're out at night. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Now you see them in the morning and afternoon, but really they do their damage at night. So unless they just want to admire their reflection and check their hairdo, I don't. Really <laughs> I love it. I, I love it. Love it. Now, what about flowers? And I know that you had some questions about flowers, and I think there's a special day coming up or something. Well, but before we get into the flower days, which, as we all know, are fabulous, I have a question about critters and flowers. Right. Are there certain types of flowers, Dean Kroskoff, that we could use that the deer hate? Because every single year, I plant all these beautiful flowers. And basically, I feel like I'm just feeding the deer. You know, right off the top of my head, I, the only thing that comes is some of the alliums uh, and things like that. But there are lists of these plants around. I would check the MSU websites or any of the extension systems website. There are extensive lists of those kind of plants right off the top of my head. I'm sorry. My deer love anything that I plant. So I'm not really a good resource on this. Sorry. But you do think that there are some sprays out there that are helpful if we are running into trouble like that. Yes, they are. Uh, again, you have to sort through. And if the deer are really hungry, like in August, uh, nothing's going to slow them down. This time of year, they've got lots of other brows. Uh, the, the repellents tend to work very, very well. Now, we've got flower days coming up. Talk a little bit about that. Flower days is the largest sale and display of bedding plants in the United States, as far as we know. And it is amazing. And if you've never been there, it is an event, not only for the flowers and everything. What I love about flower days is that you get to talk to the growers, the people that grew these plants. They can offer you advice. You can look at that. And many of us, it's long-term friendships that we've going to gone back 20, 30 years to the same people, just like you do at your farmer's markets and stuff. So enjoy the event. Take place uh, things to carry flats because you're going to buy more than you think and just enjoy it and the crowds are there the food vendors you name it it's a fantastic spectacle and that's coming up this weekend flower days eastern markets so right it'd be on starts at seven officially the last time i was there uh, the first flats were sold at 4 a.m so you know wow when you get up wow that's incredible i think a, like a rock concert I flowers do. I think you need a wagon. Oh, yeah. That wagon and some years, uh, golf, I've seen everything to shopping carts and things like that. So the parking, usually if you get there early, it's fairly close. Later, it's further away. So take that into your planning if you want to bring a cart or something. And I suggest it. I'm one of those people that, oh, I'm going to buy three flats and end up with 14. So. Oh, <laughs> I love it. It was great to see you. Thank you so much for the wonderful advice. Well, thank you so much for having me. You are listening to WJR's Healthy Women Show. We'll be back right after this. Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, on this show, we're talking about fertility, fashion, flowers, and now we turn to fitness. And before we talk about fitness, Dean Kroskoff, you asked him off air what his favorite flower was. Isn't it interesting, the answer? Roses. 
You know, I could totally see that from him. And he was in charge of what, 10 acres or 600,000 roses. But, you know, in talking to him, I see him being a very nostalgic, classy guy. And I could see how roses would be his, his favorite. What's your favorite? Roses and orchids. And I kill orchids quickly. Um, but they're, they're, those, they're, they're elegant. Uh, both flowers are elegant and beautiful. How about you? Hydrangeas. Really? That's so cool. Yeah, I think they're beautiful once they come out in the summer. And um, they're relatively easy to take care of, although you have to be really careful not to cut them back in the fall and the winter. Because if you do, you're actually cutting off the buds that are getting ready to come out in the spring. So you'll... Mm you'll destroy them. They will not flower. I've learned by personal experience if you do that, but it, it was great hearing him talk because at this time of year, we're all thinking about planting and putting in flowers, but we're also thinking about fitness and mm-hmm. taking care of ourselves in order to fit into the fabulous clothing that Anita Dumo was talking about. So I know you've got some important advice for us with regard to the Mediterranean diet and also fitness, taking care of ourselves, getting the right amount of steps every day. Well, you know, this month is physical fitness awareness month. And I thought it'd be important to talk about a couple little pearls that you can remember when you're working on a general health routine. And, and did you know that the American Heart Association says that your maximum amount of sugar, now I'm not talking sugar from fruits because that has vitamins and fiber, and that's good for you. But the crappy sugars uh, is six teaspoons a day or 24 grams of sugar. Guys, I think I read average 90 grams, women 120. So I gave a lecture to St. John residents about a month ago, and, and I was shocked at that number. So I started looking at the sugars in average things. Now, we all know pop and, you know, all has sugar in it, but and. You think you're eating healthy with whole grain bread, right? Mm-hmm. One slice has four grams of sugar in it. I don't know about you, but when I have my French fries, which are not the best for me, I try to air fry them, but I load them with ketchup, two tablespoons of ketchup, eight grams of sugar. And then you're looking at the dressing. Who puts only two tablespoons of dressing on their salad? French dressing, two tablespoons, 11 grams of sugar. And I'm sitting here thinking, Wow. And these whole wheat crackers, four grams of sugar for uh, 16 pieces. So that's a better choice, right? So I am challenging listeners out there to look at their sugar uh, content every day. And a lot of um, people are starting to do the sugar challenge. So I don't know if you remember Simone uh, from That's All Raven. It was a show. Um, She wanted to stay healthy for her life partner. And all she did was cut out sugars. And she lost like 40 pounds in in like four months or something Wow! just by sugar. And it's like, really? So, so sugar is really, really important to watch and to look at your uh, sugars in labels. Um, Also the Mediterranean diet, you know, the, the US USDA has this basic pyramid where you base should be your grains, your breads, uh, rice. Well, the Mediterranean diet is a daily intake of fruits and vegetables You should be doing that daily, as we all know. And then you should be having um, fish and seafood in at least two times per week, very, very often. 
cheese and yogurt in moderate uh, proportions daily to weekly. Now, when you say cheese, you don't want to have a whole thing. Uh, it, it's like a, a dice, uh, the size of a, a little larger than the size of a dice is really how much cheese you would want. The yogurts make sure that you look at the sugar content because you think yogurt's healthy, but it doesn't, it has a lot of sugar in it. Um, poultry and eggs, maybe every two days or weekly. And then your meats and sweets are like hardly ever there. <laughs> Daily drinking your water and you want to try to you know, have, I think I've heard many people say, you know, six to eight glasses or half your body weight. And thank God wine is still on the list. So uh, <laughs> red wine specifically, uh, you want to have in moderation. So with regard to the diet and the nutrition portion, my bullet points are, you know, have watch your sugars and follow more of the Mediterranean uh, philosophy of the fruits and, and vegetables and whole grains. And I think you'll be healthier. It sounds like we need to stay away from processed foods, Carol. Like that's really the key. I agree. I agree. And the processed foods have a ton of hidden sugars. So read your labels. And the fresher you can do, uh, more plant-based, 80% diet plant-based might help. Uh, that's the way I think you should go. And in the world of fitness, how many steps a day do you want us to get? Well, you always hear about the 10,000 steps a day. And I think that just kind of came about... Uh, and uh, on just some observational things. But the bottom line is to stay active. And there was a study done that the average number of steps a day for men that they take is about 7,000. Mm -hmm. Women is about 5,200. And if you're a couch potato, you still get steps. Uh, two to 3,000 for someone who's a sedentary individual. So you want to do uh, as many steps as you possibly can. 10,000 is, I think, just something easy to remember. And about 1,200 steps you can get in about 10 minutes of walking. Hmm. And 2,100 steps make about a mile. So those are things that might be a little idea when you're running around, you don't happen to have a, a monitor on your wrist. Um, you know, you can do 100 steps count for a minute of weightlifting, 200 steps for some roller skating. And if you bike, about a minute of biking or swimming is about 150 steps. So the bottom line for the, there's an activity pyramid that says you should be walking every day, trying to get those 10,000 steps. Um, three to five times a week though, give your heart a good cardio boost with biking, hiking, running, jogging, uh, brisk walking, and then three times a week, trying to do some weight training, weightlifting, uh, resistance bands, because the older we get, our metabolism goes down about 10% per decade. So if women always say, hey, I'm, getting old, I'm gaining weight and I'm doing the same things, eating the same foods, you need to add in weight training because building those muscles will burn uh, energy. And then very, very little of the sitting, watching TV and, and just, just get up and move. All great advice. It was great being with you today, Carol. Thank you, Ann. You too. You've been listening to WJR's Healthy Woman Show, brought to you by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health. On behalf of Dr. Carol Kowalczyk, I'm Ann Thomas. We hope you have a great night. The Healthy Woman Show with Ann Thomas and Dr. Carol Kowalczyk has been presented by the Michigan Center for Fertility and Women's Health.